everyone. Welcome to the Murder Board Podcast. I'm your host, Walter Williams III, and tonight I am joined with Hunter. Hey, how's it going? Great. Welcome to the show, your first official episode. But if people out there have joined our subscription episodes and our Patreon Week Wink, you would have heard him first. Um, but also, back for Season 5, Roderick. <laughs> hey. Hey, welcome back. Fan favorite, Roderick pretty much single-handedly handled Season 4 all by himself. Not not, not really, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, you had most of the... You requested most of those episodes last season, and I'm pretty sure you did the most episodes, honestly. It's between you and Zarya, as always. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. Um, but yes, on this episode, we will be discussing some massive entertainment news Start, uh, with the, the DC Universe is now underway again. Can they get it right this time? We will see. And then our movie tonight will be Friday the 13th Part 2. We're starting this little mini Friday the 13th retrospective. I'm excited because we've been neglecting these movies for a long time, and it's about time we paid some respect to dear old Jason Voorhees. All right. Um, Welcome to the show, guys. Like I said, Hunter, this is your first official episode of the main feed of the podcast. Uh, if you want to give a bit, a uh, little bit of an introduction to our audience here, who you are, you know, what's your relation with the horror genre, horror movies, or even thrillers, or you know, just go in all, go all in. Okay, um, I'm I'm Hunter. I'm from Utah. I actually just last year went out and visited Walter and Roderick and all of them, and uh, that was a pretty good time getting to meet all of them. I subjected them to one of my traditions uh a long-standing tradition of watching extremely shitty horror movies and that was quite a bonding experience even if they don't want to admit it um uh i i grew up my my entire life watching horror movies i think the first one i ever watched um i didn't mention this last last time but uh the the first horror movie i ever watched was the grudge and I was about, like, seven years old, I think. Oh, wow. And it was with my dad and his buddy Dave up oh. at his cabin. And I was laughing the whole time. And they're sitting there like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, but I, I loved, I've loved the horror genre ever since. I uh, grew up watching it. Uh, Friday the 13th. To me personally, it's my favorite slasher franchise. Uh, even though, and I did say this last time, I know it's super corny and super cheesy, and it's not exactly perfect, but it's just so much fun to watch. It's just so mind-numbingly fun that I, I can't help but to go back and watch it. And seeing part two again, it brought back so many memories, because I haven't seen that movie in probably a couple of years. But... Yeah, that's uh, that's me. Um, bunch of other stuff, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it later. Yes, yes. Oh man, that is yes, that is a really unique story there. I like that a lot. The Grudge previous episode that we did, uh, I believe that one was with me, Solo, and Chinette and Roger. Were you there for that one? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Me and Roger kind of make up the the Sarah Michelle Geller fan club here. So <laughs> yes. So I'm pretty sure you were on that one. But yeah. Oh my God, The Grudge. Uh, so many nightmares after that movie. Um, but I'm glad that you liked it. <laughs> I'm glad that's I, your I start. Mean, yeah, I, it's kind of a weird start, definitely, as young as I was and as, as weird as that and how horrific that movie is. I don't know. Oh, my God. 
I think I think it was either the Grudge or the Exorcist. It was one of those two. Oh my god! Either way, it was one of those two yeah. that I started with. <laughs> yeah, baby. yeah. Okay. Either way, that's like taking a five year old and throwing him in like the you know the the eight feet of the pool. <laughs> yeah. so the that's immediate. <laughs> that's immediately true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i yes hunter yes we're so glad to have you finally having you on yes we we did meet in person last year but we've talked on and off on discord and xbox uh for the past like two years i think yeah about two years yeah and yeah, a little while definitely and so i knew right away this is a voice we have to have you on for and i'm so glad we're finally doing it uh shifting over to roger real quick just because we're getting the intros in season five roderick welcome this is your third fourth season third or fourth season on the podcast it gets kind of confusing because season one is just the story but uh i believe you officially joined us uh halfway through season three or a little at the end there and then you did the second story. so yeah it's probably like your third consecutive season on the podcast yeah i think so i think one of the earliest ones or maybe the first one was like scream two yes i feel like that was either towards the tail end of season two or the beginning of season three i don't know but i definitely was here three and beyond Yes, that's season two, or no, that, that's like, that's early season, wait, what do I know? Yeah, that's early season three. That's early season three. Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look at us. Look at you, man. Like I said, Roderick is a fan favorite on here. I swear all his episodes blow up, so he's kind of like the good luck charm, him and Zarya. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, all all you guys get the views, so I'm so glad and really happy to have you back on. I have such a huge season planned for us. We, we are going to be talking a lot more slasher movies because last year the response we got from April Fool's Day and that whole little conversation was really good. And I just like, all right, we're going to catch up on a whole lot of classic slashers here, starting with Friday the 13th. All right, um, Hunter, going back to you. You kind of teased it a little bit, but go ahead. Give us your whole entire spill on your thoughts on Friday the 13th as a franchise. Why is it your favorite? Okay. Um, one, because it, it's just, again, it's one of like those, it's one of those staples in my life, personally. Just like growing up watching Friday the 13th over and over and over again. And uh, I, I mentioned on the last episode that... My buddy Ethan and I that have known each other since elementary, his favorite slasher franchise was Nightmare on Elm Street minus Friday the 13th. We'd always constantly argue about which one was better, which one had the better quality movies. But everyone knows that a lot of these slashers, like, the further you go into the movies, they get kind of worse and worse. They have some, like, they have some better ones, but they tend to get worse as they go on because at that point it kind of becomes like cash grabs. But... At the same time, no matter how bad they are, they're still a lot of fun to watch. And I, I don't know. I like I said, I go back and watch them whenever I can, or whenever I feel like it. I'll go through the whole franchise and just brings that nostalgia back. And part two, like I said, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. So it was like the music stings and everything whenever like Jason shows up or somebody finds a body and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> like it's supposed to be super intense. And it's, uh, it's, it's just a good time. Even if the acting isn't great, but I realized one big thing and sorry if I'm talking too much or going on like a whole tangent, but no, you're good. You're good. It's a, it's a podcast. You're good. Yeah. I, I realized that, uh, that the characters, earlier on are way more likable than the characters that you 
that you meet like in the later movies. Like I, I'm really bad at remembering names, so I, I gave them all like titles of what I think they were. Like, like Psych Girl, the girl that like uh, was studying like child psychology. Yeah, I, I just called her Psych Girl. Yeah. yeah, and then there was uh, there's Leader Bro Dude, which was like her boyfriend. Um, and I was just thinking, I was like, I I like these characters. Like I I think they were all put together pretty well. Um, I mean they're all extremely generic white horny teens. But I, I mean, they were still they were still fun. I mean, my favorite character in the, in the whole movie was uh, Yellow Shirt Guy uh, Rex or whatever his name is the the prankster, Yellow the guy that like yeah, the guy that like tows their their truck at the very beginning of the movie. And I'm like, that's my favorite dude. Yellow Shirt Guy. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember names, man. I can't. And he survives. I'm pretty sure he survives. He stays at the bar. Yeah, he, yeah, he stays at the bar and probably gets laid. I hope. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it was a good future for him. <laughs> oh man, yes, I love all of that. All right. Um, anything else you want to add? I mean, besides that, I mean, there's wheelchair guy, and he's really cool. I really like his character. Wheel. But yeah. <laughs> wheelchair. Yes, we'll we'll get into all the characters. I have a lot yeah, to say about yeah. him. Uh, shifting over to Roderick. Now, Roderick, uh, bef- I I have the same question for you. Your overall thoughts and opinion on Friday, thir- Friday, Friday, ah, Friday the 13th as a franchise and everything. Um, but I want to know if you remember this, because this is the first time I felt the connection between me and Roderick outside of like doing uh, high school theater. Um, I hosted a Halloween party. I forget what year it was. And so I, when I do Halloween parties, kind of like my signature, I like to think of it as a signature, um, kind of like my cherry on the top of the parties that I like to play horror movies in the background. I have a projector. And so whatever party we're throwing, whatever occasion it is, I try to make sure I at least get one horror movie or one TV show going in the background. It's just like ambiance in a way. And so the first time Roderick ever came to my house for a Halloween party, or I think it was Halloween or it was my birthday. Either way, I was playing both. I was playing Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street. I played the first of each franchise. And I remember Roderick coming in. And I think you had your little sister with you. And yeah. you, everyone else is talking, being loud. Roderick is sitting right there paying, paying attention to the movie. And I was like, I respect you so much for watching these movies with me. <laughs> Yeah, this was because, like, I'm, you know, a horror fan. I'm not all deep off into the lore, especially with Friday the 13th is what, like, we'll get into. But I enjoy them. I think they're really cool. And they definitely set up a lot of for what horror is today, just based off of those foundations. Like, Friday the 13th, I'm kind of on the opposite end of how Hunter started it off, where, you know, how you were a big fan of Friday the 13th Hunter, and you just watched all the movies I had only ever seen like a handful of them just sporadically all throughout my life. And the second right. one, I don't think I ever saw it until like this week when we were, you know, we're getting ready to record it. So it was a completely new experience for me. Oh, wow. I like them though. Yeah, for real. Oh, wow. First watcher. Ding, ding, ding. I need a bell. We got to roll your, bring a bell for first watchers. That's great. Yeah. Cause you know, like Walter, I'm definitely the nightmare on Elm street dude. Now I've seen those movies a bajillion times. Yes. And we'll get to more of them this in the next coming weeks, actually in February. <laughs> hey, but, but yeah. 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 Go ahead. You know, 
Oh yeah, but you know, like overall, I I do think they're really cool, and they definitely do just I don't know set the framework for all types of slashes because you definitely have the bad guy who's seemingly you know invincible has a tragic backstory. You have the ensemble cast of people that kind of get killed off in these really cool ways, and then you know just a really cool chasing at the end. Classic slasher. Yes, we love just basic bare bones things sometimes, and I think Friday Thirteenth embodies that. Just this is this is this the simple things that you have to appreciate. But um, mm-hmm. yes, yes, I love all of that. Yes. Um. Okay. So we will get back to Friday the Thirteenth in a sec, in a few minutes. Uh. But first, I do, being that this is our interrogation section, we are going to get into some entertainment news. So um, I will go first and lay out everything that I have here. It's not as much as last time, people. I know when I did Teen Wolf, I listed a whole lot of stuff. Here, it's just a few things. Um, and then, uh, do you do you guys have anything you wanted to uh, add as far as like entertainment news? I've I've a couple I've a couple things. All right, cool. Then um, yeah. So I'll go ahead, and then right after we'll we'll shift over to you. So uh, as f- this past as of this recording, this past week, or yeah, would be this past week, we got a lot of stuff that was revealed. Uh, number one, I think this is the thing that everybody's talking about, at least on my Twitter feed. James Gunn has announced his slate for the first half of his first chapter of the DCU. The DC and Warner Brothers is finally getting their shit together after so many years. Uh, I don't know. I was a big fan of most of the Snyder stuff, and I did pay attention to a lot that went on. Not a lot of things were agreed upon, which is fine. But James Gunn is now, after his whole thing with Marvel, he is now pretty much the head creator of dc producing a whole lot and so on i believe january 31st so he's calling it chapter one of the dcu gods and monsters and so we got a whole lot of tv shows and movies that were announced uh let's see here so the the big ones here of the movies so we are getting a new superman superman legacy um james gonna be writing this one personally um which is uh, exciting um, right after that we will have a new we will have a new batman so there are a few things that are really weird started if i'm all over the place but so we are still getting some of the pre-established stuff that we have now they're just gonna be called elseworlds and that'll be the batman part two so last year uh roger we saw the batman we had that whole big podcast there's a sequel right. coming to that i think it's a whole trilogy they planned but there's a sequel coming uh, and that is coming october 3rd 2025 so we got a, a while before that hits um and so that'll be a part of elseworlds there is also joker 2 which is filming now with lady gaga as per uh, as presumably harley quinn and so can't wait for that movie honestly uh i don't think there's a release date if there is i am not seeing it at the moment but um, that is all going to be called Elseworlds. As far as the remainder of the current DC right now, uh, DCEU, which is what is the Snyder stuff was called, um, we are still getting Shazam, which comes out in a, in a, in a few weeks or about a month as of this recording. Um, don't know if anyone's excited about that one, but I, I mean, hey, it's Shazam. <laughs> um, uh, and then we're still getting The Flash, which is supposed to be in June. I'm excited for it because despite everything with Ezra Miller and their um reign of terror that they enlisted throughout 2020 and 2021 and 2022 
Um, every single review, every single interview, anything that you can find on that movie of people in the professional industry who have seen it or have been a part of it, mostly people who have seen it and have you know signed waivers to be quiet about it, have said it's one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. That's James Gunn said that himself. I know a few other reporters and scoopers and people in that profession who have gone public and saying, yeah, we're sweeping all that other stuff, you know, under the rug. We're trying to get, get Ezra on track, but the movie itself is great. And, and so I'm excited for it. Again, we're supposed to be getting that in June. Uh, there's supposed to be a big trailer coming out at the Super Bowl for the flash. So hopefully we'll get some reassurance. Um, Right after that, then we're getting Aquaman 2. Now, me personally, I thought Aquaman, the first one, despite liking Jason Momoa, um, Aquaman is one of the worst superhero movies I've ever saw, and I did not enjoy it at all. I respect James Wan, but people know that I'm not too big on his directing style as well. So uh, I, I guess there's a sequel coming. People are excited for it, but that's supposed to lead into this new universe, which we're getting. That brings us to Superman Legacy. Uh, right after that, we're getting a new Batman called Batman, uh, or called The Brave and the Bold. It's supposed to follow a more modernized uh, Batman, possibly older, because we're getting a new Robin as well. So we're finally getting Robin on the big screen again. But it's going to be Damian Wayne. If you don't know who Damian Wayne is, he is the most recent of the Robins. He is Bruce Wayne's biological son from Taya Al Ghul. He was raised uh, by the League of Assassins, which... Again, Batman lore, but that is the people who have trained Batman in the way that he is. If you saw Batman Begins, you got all that spill. Um, yeah, Damian Wayne is supposed to be the Robin of this. So a lot of people are saying that we're getting that official story for this new Batman. I think it's a good good way to go. Um, yeah. Uh, so after that, we're getting another movie called The Authority. Uh, this is basically James Gunn doing James Gunn by reaching in and grabbing characters that people have no idea exist. And going to end up creating and making a billion dollar franchise just like he did with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he's kind of sort of doing with the remakes or the retooling of Suicide Squad. Um, I knew these guys because uh, they affect the Superman story that I like very much of which I, I think that's where they're going with it. But the authority is basically is a DC's in-universe version of the boys. So it's kind of like the worm eating itself or the snake eating itself. <laughs> the, you know, if you've seen the boys, it is supposed to be a satire on the modernization and Zyder, the Zack Snyder new 52 style of the justice league. Well, prior to the boys existing, there was a team of superheroes in the DC comic universe that are kind of like that. I will say though, there is a key difference. The boys are, I'm not a fan of the boys. People know this. I, I have a whole podcast on it. I even wrote an essay because I just did not like the show that much. Although I continue to watch um but the the authority is essentially the difference between them and the boys is that they are much more uh ideal idealized they have a stronger uh i think a stronger uh thesis to them they they're less of a satire and more of a straight up like what if these characters did this and you know what is this what do, what do these characters mean and so a big example is that the two i don't think they're the leaders but the two pillars of the the authority is you have uh, a superhero that's basically a version of Batman, and then you have a superhero that's basically the version of Superman. And in the big part of their characters, that they are married gay men, uh, they're like they're married to each other. And so the the concept is, what if Batman and Superman were married? 
that's that's basically those characters there's a lot to it i'm excited because i think james gunn is really good at creating underdog stories it's kind of his stick again he's taking characters people don't know and making them a thing so i'm excited for that um let's see i think that's rounds out most of the movies we do have some tv shows because streaming services are a thing now um and I, I do have a lot more faith in these rather than the DC or the, the Disney stuff that we've been getting. But um, Amanda Waller is getting our TV show. I'm excited for this one. She's one of my favorite characters. Amanda Waller is played by Viola Davis in the Suicide, uh, Suicide Squad and the Suicide Squad. And she had some little bitty parts in the subsequent DC stuff. I love the fact that he's getting rid of everything but her because, of course, you keep her. She's great. She's made for that role. And I love her a lot. And I'm so glad if you've seen Peacemaker, they kind of set up where they're going with Amanda Waller. Um, I'm excited for it. I I think it's going to it's a great idea. I'm also a huge fan of how to get away with murder. I'm actually going to be rewatching it here in, in a minute. So if honestly, if James Gunn could just do that version of that with Amanda Waller, I would be a OK with it. Um, after that, Booster Gold is finally coming to the screen. This is a character people have been asking for since like Smallville days, even before that. He is a future superhero who is a loser, and he ends up finding his way into the present day, and he becomes popular off of that. He's kind of a take on reality stars and just, you know, I guess making him more modern for us, he would be some kind of influencer. So that has some merit to it. He's supposed to be more a comedic character. I'm not a big comedy fan. I wasn't ever, ever really big on Booster Gold, but I know a lot of people have been People have been begging for this character, so I'm glad that they're finally getting it. We also have Creature Commandos. I don't really know what these characters are. Again, it's James Gunn reaching in the bag of in, in characters that people don't know and creating something out of it. I do know that, or he did say that this is going to be a cartoon series or an animated series that will lead directly into whatever is going on in the movies. After that, we're finally getting Green Lantern back. I think en enough people have been born to have not seen or heard of Ryan Reynolds' movie. So we're finally giving them a chance. Um, is is going to focus on both Jon Stewart and um, who was the other Green Lantern again? Jon Stewart. That's the only one I really like. Uh, Hal Jordan. Yeah. Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. We're focusing on both of them as they are. Uh, they're really leaning into the whole space cop thing, but is going to be completely set on Earth as a true detective style show. So I'm really excited for that one. I've seen some of the first season of True Detective. It's really great. I just couldn't stick with it because I was too young at the time it came out. I should probably give it a second chance, but maybe closer to when that show comes out for a comparison. Uh, we're also getting a Swamp Thing movie. That's the one I was missing, but Swamp Thing, um, basically Creature of the Swamp. Not much you could really like identify with that, but a Swamp Thing is a really good character. He's kind of linked with poison ivy if you like her you would like swamp thing uh he's got this whole he's kind of like the pillar of the dc universe in a way honestly um and he he's really good i so i i'm i'm they're saying it's going to lean into the horror side of it hopefully there was a show that came out a while ago when dc launched their like app there was a show starring crystal reed of teen wolf fame it was really good it only had one season though it got so it got it got the cut because of you know ratings and it was on an app that no one bought at the time or had at the time on a service. So I'm glad that they're finally giving Swamp Thing a bigger chance again. There was a previous movie in the 80s, but no one remembers it. I want to say Wes Craven directed that one, though. I think so. If not, it was Man Thing, but I think it was Wes Craven. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wonder Woman is also getting a show. 
Or, but it's not going to have Wonder Woman in it. <laughs> it's called Paradise Lost. It's going to follow the island of which Wonder Woman comes from. So we're going to get more into that. And then the last movie I believe they confirmed is... Oh, Supergirl. Supergirl is getting a movie of her own. Um, she is called Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And if you know Supergirl, you know the show. Or if you know the show, you know the character. There's not much information on all of these, but my guess is that they're going to fully lean into that. Uh, Supergirl is a character people have been wanting to see on the big screen again for a while. There is an 80s movie. It's very bad, so I would not recommend watching it. But if you want your kicks, you can go check it out. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube still. I think that's where people watch it. Um, but, yeah, so that's the DC side of it. it honestly, in my, opinion, it, it all, uh, in my opinion, it all looks really promising, really good. I like that they finally have a plan and some organization again i was a huge fan of what snyder was doing and the story he was wanting to tell but i also understand that his uh pathology when it comes to his movies kind of get in the way um and so that's fine uh james gunn he, I, he's a guy i think is a really good writer and a really good producer um his directing style though does get at me sometimes again i'm not too big of a comedic guy and so he has a really uniform comedic hand which is his talent but for me it's not for me but shifting it over to you guys um we can start with uh, i want to start with roger because you aren't the superhero guy you don't know most of any of these but after everything i just named here what's your opinion are you excited are you interested this new dc finally getting their stuff together with their characters will you be watching what's your what's your thoughts um, it's not something that i do uh, per se have on my radar because like how you were saying, I'm not a big superhero guy, but I am interested to know what Lady Gaga would do with her role as Harley Quinn, because it seems like a more serious role. And I think she can handle that, but she, she has the theatrics that I see just in her style. And I want to know how that would translate over to the DC universe. So that's something that kind of like pings on my radar, but as far as everyone else, you know, I just got to see it when they come down the pike. And I did have a question yeah. while you were saying all the movies that were coming out. When just when studios, when the DC universe, when people in general who are in charge of all these movies coming out, when they announce movies that are slated for two, three years in advance, what does that do for the fan base? Because for me, it just seems like they're setting you guys up for a long time just to wait. Is there a reason why that happens? Do you know? Yes, actually. So... It is setting us up to wait. It is just pretty much fans and just the studios confirming that, hey, things are coming. Here's what we got. Here's what you're looking forward to. Now, just something for us to chew on. This initially started and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Hunter. I, I, we'll, we'll get to you, but correct. feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But from what I remember, the reason why studios started doing this in the first place um, and this has been going on for a while, but the reason is a big presentation now is because of what Marvel did when Iron Man came out. And that was back in 2007 or when they started production in 2007, came out in 2008. Same thing with The Dark Knight, but it is definitely Marvel announcing. I remember the exact like day and I was a lad. I was what middle school probably. Yeah. Uh, or going into middle school, but Marvel came out and said, hey, people liked Iron Man, and, you know, the Incredible Hulk did well enough. We are putting together a, an official universe. Mar DC has bought, or not D Disney has bought Marvel. Marvel Studios is now its own studio. 
here's everything that we're planning up until the Avengers. And they so, so they went to Comic-Con and they changed Comic-Con forever by putting on this big production and showcasing uh, uh, concept art and logos and premiere dates and saying, here's what we got planned. That is why studios nowadays release a title and a release date and a little bit of information because Marvel went there in, in, in a pretty good presentation. They would go to Comic-Con, which is something that people didn't really, the masses didn't really know of. But it was, a, it, yeah, yeah, it was Marvel. I said, hey, people liked Iron Man. Now here's everything we got. We got Iron Man 2. That'll lead into Thor and blah, 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 blah. And that's been going on ever since. Also, um, which is funny because this also came out recently, uh, James Cameron's Avatar, that had a really big presence at Comic-Con as well. And he put on a big presentation when the tra- releasing the trailer of that movie. Um, and then the third kind of pillar of that was also Twilight. When Twilight got super big, it brought in a lot of the female comic book crowd for those movies. I have no idea why. Um, but to each their own, that blew up as well at Comic-Con. So in your, in the short, your answer is Comic-Con was the venue of which these pre- these presentations gained traction. And the reason that studios started doing this is because of Marvel, James Cameron's Avatar, and Twilight. Mm, okay. Yes, I, I remember those days because I was just a young lad. I loved comic books. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Captain America. And just, you know, cream it all in my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Yeah, that does answer that question. But yes, so far, that's kind of that's the only thing I got on my radar. See what guy will do with that yeah. Joker role. Yeah. And just to kind of fill in Joker, I'm super excited for Joker. So you, you saw the first Joker, right? Um, no, I did not. Oh. That has Jared Leto, right? No, this has Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, definitely not. Nope. Okay, uh, one, watch Joker. It's a great movie. Also, you probably need to catch up on some uh, Martin Scorsese stuff as well. But uh, Joker 2 has me excited because, number one, they have brought in Lady Gaga. I think she's a great actress. You're right on that theatrical side because if you watch the first Joker, it is directly a love letter to Martin Scorsese movies, specifically his earlier ones in the 70s where he he wasn't the mob guy yet. He was kind of just like... Uh, psychological character studies with a little bit of satire in there that is what joker is so this movie there again i love when movies and tv shows do this they're switching the genre and it is going to be a full-on classical musical in the sense and yes and so that's why we have lady gaga and that's why i think they confirmed it but without confirming it but it's uh, Lady Gaga it will be a version of Harley Quinn and her and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker are in a musical movie I'm a, or musical psychological thriller, which has me super pumped about it. And it's going to take place mostly in Arkham Asylum, that prison that they're in. Uh, and it's I, I'm super excited for it. I don't know what they're going to do with it. My guess is that they're going to do a good twisted version of the classic like uh, – I think we're going to get some Bob Fosse in there, but as well as like Fred Astaire, um, oh. Wizard, Wizard of Oz, Technicolor type stuff. I've, I think that's what we're getting. We're getting a version of that through the lens of what Joker and Harley Quinn are or who those characters are. And I'm super excited because it's like that's, that's just such a, a unique thing to do. And I'm excited. I it, it's, it sounds great. So that's filling in Joker. 
And then uh, we don't really know anything about the Batman yet, but we like that movie, so I'm here for it day one. All right. Uh, shifting over to you, Hunter. Everything I named. What, what's your thoughts on the the new DC slate? Are you a comic book fan? Um, I I am, but it, I've personally have never been like um, a huge DC fan specifically. Um, and now now that I'm like, I've I've seen all like all of the Marvel movies and everything, uh, except for a lot of the recent ones, because I I feel like. I, I heard everything from like my friends about uh, what was it like Thor: Love and Thunder, and they're like, dude, it it feels like it was written for kids to laugh, like it was a comedy for kids, and I was like, really? I was like, I thought they were going darker with stuff, and they're they're like, nope, not at all. This is in the opposite direction, and I was like, man, I kind of wanted to see Thor get like darker, but I I don't know. I I found myself leaning more towards like. Um, like far away from DC and Marvel, and getting more into like Invincible or The Boys, and that breaks my heart that you don't like The Boys because I, I personally, I fucking love The Boys. I absolutely love that show. I'm a huge fan of it, uh, mostly because I've just been waiting for a, a show to kind of like um, shed shed that almost like darker light. That, that that's contradictory. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I get it. it I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Shed, shed that light on like the darker aspects of like what superheroes would actually be like. That you know they're going to be marketed out like celebrities, and they're going to have like itineraries and going to be egotistical assholes behind the scene because of course they're not going to all be great people. You know, unless they really really want to be. But I I mean I could see the boys is also one of those shows where I would not recommend to everybody. At all, like there's like a few people where I'd be like, "Hey, you should watch this," but the majority of people, I'm like, mm, "Not for you." It probably would not be for the majority of people I I talk to or hang out with because I just know they wouldn't like it, and that's and that's fine. Um, but as far as like DC goes, I I've always liked Batman. Batman's always fun. <laughs> I love those movies. Um, I. I never saw the Joker, and I want to. I keep finding myself being like, "Oh, I should watch a movie," and then I never do. And I'm like, "Fuck, I need, I need to watch it." But then I just get like sidetracked with other stuff, or like, uh, I don't know, like other movies. And I'm like, "Man, I, I need to go back and watch it at some point. I just need to." And I'm like kicking myself in the head. I've also, I was also one of those kids growing up that was like all about like Deadpool. And that was it. And, like, I know how annoying the fan base for Deadpool can be, but I can't help it. I fucking love it. I love Deadpool, and I love that they finally came out with the movies. And um, what what were you, what you were saying with, like, Comic-Con, and I know I'm jumping around every, everywhere, but I'm trying to, like, catch up to what you guys were talking about. Yeah, you're good. Uh, but, like, the, the, I think where you, you hit the nail right on the head with like them showing up to Comic Con and like giving this this almost like uh timeline of what they were gonna work on and now all of these comic book fans that have grown up loving the comics now have something to look forward to in the future. It's not just comics that they're gonna be looking forward to like the next issue. It's now gonna be the next big movie yeah. of their favorite heroes. And it's 
I think the biggest thing is is that hype and the showmanship. And it's like, look at where we're gonna do what we're gonna do. This is big. Look at all this stuff. And I I think that's what really draws in a lot of people is just that pure excitement, you know. And of course, there's always gonna be cynical people that are still fans that are gonna criticize the shit out of it, but they're still gonna go watch every single movie no matter what. It's like my buddy Ethan. He doesn't like the majority of the Marvel movies that have been coming out, but he's still gonna go see them regardless. It doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. But I yeah I I mean it's exciting. I mean just it's new fun stuff to go watch. I'm I'm excited always excited for that new media, something new to go see. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. You guys are right. Um, and, and it's great to hear that from people who aren't too steeped into it. I'm steeped into it because I didn't grow up. It's fine. It's weird saying I grew up reading comics. I didn't have I was I was a poor child. So I went to the library and read comics and rented them or rented. Do you rent things from the library? Borrowed them from there. Um so that's where a lot of my knowledge comes from. But yeah. Uh, man, I'm just thinking like being just like well, I had to have been like 13 on my family computer. We were moving from East Nashville to Antioch and I'm like refreshing YouTube, looking around and and Google looking at the like you know pictures of you know when people get excited for concept art of like the next twilight movie that's how you know something was huge and it definitely was that uh for like that's why everything is a big presentation when it comes to release dates um they have to come out with a teaser of a teaser now and it 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 gets a little bit indulgent sometimes but like like you were saying not even like it's not even just about superhero movies anymore. It's the next big movie that does these big presentations. Uh, Transformers did it for a while with the the lad, with the later movies. Um, trying to remember, there was a huge thing for um, Godzilla. God, when that first Godzilla movie came out, they had a whole entire like ride for people to go to at comic-con just to announce the release date and the concept art and what they had planned for that little universe they were doing uh you oh, know, yeah like i remember i remember seeing the videos it would people be in those little buildings that the whole things that they had to escape by evacuating and they had these big giant projector of windows and you would see godzilla ro- walking through and the mystery monster that they had going on there um, I wanted to say they did it. Uh, a Universal keeps trying to do this. <laughs> they keep trying to make their own little universe with their their monsters, and they almost had it with Johnny Depp and Tom Cruise, and they had their whole big presentation and their concept art. And so, yeah, it is definitely something that we just get nowadays. Now, I think since COVID has happened, and because uh the another big change happened when Marvel announced their Phase Four stuff, where they does Marvel was Kevin Feige and Marvel have always been kind of stingy about the way they did things. Like they ruled over Comic-Con until about 2016, which is kind of like the peak of hype where Tom Holland got announced in Civil War. And at the same time, Zack Snyder was like Batman v Superman, Batman v Superman, and Justice League is coming. And so right around that time, Marvel decided to kind of retreat into themselves. And so they went, they would do per the big, you know, presentation not at Comic Con, but at D twenty three, which if people who don't know who D twenty three is, it's Disney's like video game convention essentially, and a lot of like TV shows get premiered there. Marvel did that for Phase three and four, and so now that COVID has happened, you see a lot of these studios just 
kind of doing it on their own instead of going to Comic-Con, which is kind of sad because I do miss the hype Comic-Con had. Like, I remember, and I'm just rambling here, but I remember, like, sitting, seeing, watching G4. I knew nothing about video games, but when they were covering Comic-Con, I went watching G4, the channel, all day, every day. I remember Olivia Munn reporting, and I remember I remember when Legend of Korra got announced and just, like, hopping out of my, like, pajama pants, being like, oh, my God, Avatar is coming back. So, yeah, it just I'm just I'm just nostalgic now. But yeah, I get what you guys are coming from. It's it is still exciting, but being non-comic book fans, it is kind of yeah. Uh, I get it. And um I again, for me, I'm excited because I I do like some of what I'm hearing here. I like Amanda Waller. Batman's always going to be good no matter what. So, seeing that they I'm just glad we're finally getting a Robin again after them being like, "Oh, no, that's gay." And really getting him to TV. Which is not bad. I because the next topic here, I'm really sad about it, <laughs> but I'm I'm really I'm really happy that they're finally seemingly getting their stuff together. But I do have my criticisms about James Gunn as a creator, and he is, seems to be the one single handedly operating this, much like Kevin Feige. And I have my reservations about Kevin Feige. I don't like the way he handled Spider Man. I'm very very nervous on how he's going to handle the uh, the X Men. These are my favorite characters. With that being said, I- I, oh no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, can I add just one last thing? Yeah. I totally understand the the like being dragged behind a hype train uh, until the thing finally comes out because like playing video games my whole life that's that's something a lot of game companies do a lot is they they want that hype train to just drag you behind as as much as they can up until the release. And they they do it a lot. So I, I I totally feel you. I mean I mean, I grew up uh, liking comic books, but probably not being as into them as you are. But yeah, dude, it's just the hype alone can get people crazy and into it. Definitely, and that's why we got fandoms. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's it's crazy out here, and I'm again, it's exciting. Um, I did want to. Bef- I I am gonna moving on here. I just wanted to say like rebutting on your thoughts on the boys. I do respect people who watch it. I respect the show. I think the show does a lot of good stuff as far as like satire goes. Um, me and Sheldon did do a whole podcast on this. It is a part of our subscriptions side of it, though. Um, but I mean, we can talk about this off mic as well as far as the boys go. But my biggest thing about the boy, the boys that I can't get into it because I don't have that emotional connection and not as far as like source material. But I think the show itself is so worried about. The, or so focused on the shock factor and the satire of it all. Me being a person who does enjoy, like, you know, everything that they're criticizing, the social media aspect, the celebrity of superheroes, and then mixing that in with the ultra violence and everything, it's very hard for me to care for about, about anyone in that show. So that's why I kind of, like, I don't like it. Like, Invincible was great because I was able to emotionally attach myself to into it shelton said it best when it (laughs) made me realize about myself but like when it comes to tv shows and movies if i'm not fully invested in if i don't if i don't feel like i'm a part of the world or if if i'm welcomed in that world i shut down from it which is something me and shelton are polar opposites on shelton likes to escape me i like to be inside of it i like for things to be brought in as well so that's my whole thing on the boys. I think the boys is a good show, but it's just not for me. That, that's fair. It, it is super edgy. It is. It is yeah, a yeah. super. Edgy. Yeah, and this is coming from a guy who who really enjoys Velma, though. So there's, you know, you just, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm weighing. I'm on a on a. Uh, 
I don't know what I'm saying. I'm on a scale here. Things are out of order. Things are imbalanced. Anyway, let's see here. Hunter, did you have uh, some news you wanted to bring in here? Dead Space Remake is out, and it is absolutely phenomenal. It's really hard for people to make good remakes or reboots or whatever for classic horror video games. But they hit the nail on the head with it, made it even better. And if I were to say, as somebody who played the original Dead Space back in like 2008, um, it is better than the original. The remake is better. And it's fantastic. It's terrifying. Music, uh, like audio, visual, everything. Everything about it is just fantastic. And then, um, oh my gosh, I think I forgot. I think we're what I was going to say. Never mind. I don't have a second thing. Just that one. Watch it pop up later. <laughs> I'm going to remember it later. Yeah, no, that sounds interesting. I remember the whole hype about Dead Space. Uh, I remember Sheldon really trying to explain it to me. But the game looked really good back then from what I remember. But you're saying it looks even better now? Oh my god, yeah, like, just the overall quality in general is amazing, because it was, it, it's one of those horror games that kind of reinvented it, in a way, the the enemies, one, are the most, some of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in a movie or a game, like, think the thing, but, um, just more of it, Oh, <laughs> it's like, it, this thing called necromorphs, they're made from human corpses. They're terrifying. The only way to kill them is to cut off their limbs. And that's the only way to kill them. Not headshots, not body. Cut off the limbs. Oh. And uh, they did an interesting thing in the first Dead Space where there is no HUD on the screen. Ever, all the information is on Isaac, your character, or the gun that you're holding. Damn. That's everything. So... There's nothing taking up the screen. There's nothing, like, bogging down the visuals. It is all 100% immersion all the time. Terrifying. The the sound design, just hearing the necromorphs crawling around the vents. You hear Isaac's heartbeat get, like, faster when enemies are approaching or when you can hear them. And you hear his breath, his breathing getting heavier. And it's just, like, it's just fucking raw and terrifying. I love it. And that concludes interrogations. Um, we're going to take a short break here, and then we'll be back to talk about Friday the 13th. But first, here is some Midnight Radio. Jason, mother is talking to you! Jason, mother is talking to you.
It's a dark and stormy night. Everyone's in their rooms, some sleeping, some falling asleep, and others who can't sleep at all. But what do they all have in common? The fear of the unknown, big or small, it's there. A buzzing through the back of their minds, your minds. The inkling, the possibility of what's just behind the door, in the void of darkness, hiding knowing it can and it will get you but in the meantime i am your host you can call me charlie and i have stories to tell so take a moment to prepare yourself because you are now listening to the midnight radio town just past Gatlinburg, Tennessee called Whispering Hills. There's an old urban legend about the vast forest at the bottom of the mountains and how it's the home of shape-shifting cannibalistic creatures. A unique offset of the Wendigo. They say if you ever find yourself near the forest and come across a deer with three antlers, your days are already numbered. Of course, this is just an urban legend, a scary story to warn children and tourists. That is, until the year of 2000, when a young boy and his father went into those very woods to hunt. At that time, the forest had not been as feared and taboo as it is today. But what they discovered is why everyone stays away. You see, a father, Jeffrey Collins, and his seven-year-old son, Franklin, did find a deer that day. Jeffrey, in an effort to impress his son, fired three shots, hitting the deer, the first two bullets hitting it right in the neck. As the deer fell to die, they both instantly noticed something was wrong. The sound of the deer falling to the ground made a similar sound akin to a large tree falling. They went to retrieve the deer, and they noticed that it was female, and also had three antlers, two normal ones on the side of her head, and one directly in the middle. The antlers were shaped and curved like it was molded from an expensive statue. It simply didn't seem real. Jeffrey goes to put the deer out of its misery when Franklin stops him. He pointed at the deer's stomach. Something was moving inside of it. Not moving, panicking, writhing. Jeffrey quickly grabbed Franklin by the shoulder and pushed him back about six feet, dropping his knife. The deer's stomach quickly began to grow and pulsate as something tried to push its way out. The father and the son stood still while Franklin wanted to run but instead he held onto his dad's cargo pants. Jeffrey knew he needed to get out of there. So he took a deep breath and reached for his buck knife on the ground. As he reached, the deer's stomach began to vibrate and push with violence. Thunder could be heard. Jeffrey slowly reached and reached till the top of his index finger and middle finger began to tap the handle of the knife. Franklin has fallen to the ground in a crouched position next to his father's brown boots. Jeffrey finally is able to grab the knife. He grabs the knife and rushes back, but it's too late. In that swift motion, the deer's entire body bursts forward towards the son and father, slathering them with both blood and innards. Franklin screamed until he began to choke on his own terror. Jeffrey rubbed his eyes and held out the knife with his right hand preparing himself to slash whatever was coming their way. What was in front of them anyway? What bursted out of a seemingly normal deer? 
Well, first of all, it wasn't a baby deer. It wasn't really a deer at all. No, this thing stood up out of the dead carcass on its own two legs. It was as tall as a small child. No taller than Franklin, really. The skin is what jumped out at Jeffrey. No fur, no hide, just pitch black, silky skin. As Jeffrey was drawn by the tar-looking skin, Franklin noticed the other features. The arms were long and the fingers looking more like silver claws. It had silver teeth. It had silver teeth that were sharpened and in rows like a shark. Then its eyes, its foggy yellow and gray eyes, they looked as if they glowed. Lastly, it had three large, sharp antlers. Not as big as the dead deer it emerged from, but it was just as menacing. Jeffrey finally got enough blood out of his eyes to clear his view. He then turned to his son and screamed at him to run. It is then the creature tilted its head up and roared. The sound was high-pitched and piercing. The son and father both took off through the woods, Franklin just a few feet ahead. Run, Franklin, run! Don't look back. Keep running, goddammit. Jeffrey yelled at his son. Jeffrey himself didn't turn around either, but he knew that that thing had taken off behind them. Run, Franklin, run! Keep north! The entrance is north! Jeffrey's voice got further and further as Franklin ran for his life. At this moment, Franklin could only think about his mom and how he needed to get home to her. They needed to get home to her. He believed his dad was right behind him. In fact, he was right behind him. Franklin remained so focused he didn't hear the creature roaring and getting louder and louder behind them. What he did notice was the screams of his father. That is what broke his concentration. Lucky for Franklin, he was just a few feet away from the entrance of the forest. He could see the muddy white pickup truck they rode in on together. Franklin took this as a good luck sign and stopped running. He turned around, still hearing his father's voice telling him to keep running. Franklin turned and his father was there right behind him. Out of instinct, he hugs him and pulls on him to keep going. But Jeffrey is not responding. Not physically. Franklin heard his father's voice, but Jeffrey himself was not moving. Franklin backs up, and before him was the most horrific thing he has ever witnessed. Jeffrey's father was hanging in front of him, with the sharp tips of the antlers piercing through his body. The sides of his stomach and abdomen, the center of his thighs and joints in his arms, his palms separating his fingers, and even though it was through the back of his head, the antler was coming out of his mouth. Franklin, so horrified, wet himself, and tears flowed like a faucet. The body of his now dead father lifted up as the creature revealed his face to Franklin. Its face went from that of a young deer to that of a young boy in just seconds. The creature opened its mouth, and it was the voice of his father, Franklin's father, telling him to keep going and head north. At this moment, Franklin shut down. His mouth fell open, his eyes dilated with pure fear. During that moment, there was nothing but trembling. The two stared at each other, one filled with fear and the other with discovery. Droplets began to fall on them like rain. The blood from Franklin's father showered on them and covered their skin. The creature's pavement-colored skin slowly absorbed the blood, while Franklin began to absorb the moment.
on a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. back let's talk about friday the 13th part two here's some quick and be facts though uh released may 1st 1981 i think it was the first time we ever got in a horror movie on a, like the beginning of may uh directed by steve minor written by ron kurtz based on the characters by victor miller the film stars adrian king amy Steele, john fury and and warrington gillette as jason Voorhees, among a whole lot of other rando white people that don't think it went on to do much again. <laughs> and the plot goes as such. Uh, the second entry in the long-running horror series focuses on a group of teenagers who would be counselors converging at Camp Crystal Lake for training under the tutelage of head counselor Paul. Inevitably, Paul relates the story of Jason Voorhees, a boy who, who obscenely drowned at the camp and whose mother murdered a group of counselors in revenge. No one takes the tale seriously until a very much alive Jason begins gruesomely illuminating people. The budget for the film was $1.25 million, and the box office was $21.7 million. Just some little quick bonus facts here. Friday the 13th Part 2 was supposed to start an anthology approach to the franchise, much like Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Uh, and I guess Halloween ends, but uh, due to the popularity of this surprise ending of the first movie, the decision was quickly made to make it more about the Camp Crystal Lake and the creation of Jason Voorhees, along with a ton of lawsuits later on. But this is why this is why we got Jason uh, to begin with um, is also noted that the film or the film was noted for its accumulative violence as problematic, resulting in numerous cuts being made to allow an R rating. The MPAA really went hard on this movie specifically, as they will for the rest of the Friday 13th franchise as far as gore goes. So there's, that's why a lot of the deaths in here are quick, um, but when they're supposed to be a lot longer and they're supposed to be a lot more bloody. Um, but there is a version of that with the original gore. It's on a Scream Factory box set. So if you can find that, you will find a longer, more bloodier, more gory cut of this movie specifically. 
um, which means my Amazon has been full of searches and I have not yet found it at a reasonable price. Um, Friday 13th Part 2 did receive, oh man, it received very bad negative reviews and it was also less financially successful. And yet the the studio said, let's go for another one. And they immediately greenlit a sequel uh, for Part 3D that was released a whole year later. And we will get to that movie next time. Um, and then final thing that I think is really, really interesting. There's a big story about it. I won't go fully into it here. But uh, the star and the final girl of the last movie and at the beginning of this movie, Adrian King, uh, she did suffer the she did suffer having a real life stalker um, around the time of filming this movie. And after the first movie, um, we're talking like pure Joe Goldberg from you levels to the point where she was held at gunpoint and had to talk the super fan down upon them being arrested for stalking her. But the way she explains it, this person like weaved themselves into her actual life and kept showing up places and was always constantly around her without her knowing. We're talking like super duper creepy home invasion type stuff. You can go read about it, but it's very frightening. And so I feel really bad that she had to suffer that. But she did come back in the midst of all that to shoot the beginning of this movie. So props to her. Wow, I didn't know that part. Holy yeah. shit! There's like a, a there's an interview. There's several interviews, but there's an interview where she explains it for Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, I forgot what do, which documentary it is, but I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube. But it sounds like horrifying. All right, let's talk about this movie, man. Oh man, like we always start, we're gonna give our overall thoughts. Hunter, being our guest, you can start us off. What's your overall thoughts after rewatching Friday the Thirteenth Part Two? Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I got to go back and watch it again. It's probably maybe my tenth time watching it in my life. Um, but it, it, I mean, it's it's fun. Again, like I said earlier, the characters are likable. Most of them, anyway. Uh, even though I don't remember their names. Like I said, there's like a girl that got naked in the water, uh, pervy guy, uh, psych girl... <laughs> Yellow shirt guy, uh, bro dude, camp leader. I I don't know names, man. I I can't keep up with it. <laughs> so I just that's what I do. Um, but I it was it was so weird because I I always forget how much of a slow burn the early movies are in the beginning because you get that the first initial kill from the survivor of the last movie. And then it takes so long for shit to really start happening. Um, like it's a lot of Jason just watching, and then like the I know the old dude gets like choked out against a tree with like a wire or something. Yes. And then it's just again it's just like a while until something else happens. And you're like, we're like halfway through this movie, man. <laughs> what's happening here and, and then and then you know jason finally starts getting the shit done and you know doing his work and you're like hell yeah let's go and uh I, I think overall i can tell why people probably didn't like it when it initially came out but i'm glad they stuck with it and continued on with the franchise and continue making jason even bigger of a name um Sackhead Jason is not very iconic, so I'm glad they 
I'm glad they got the hockey mask in, in, uh, in part three. Um, I'm overall, I, I liked it. I mean, it was, it's a good movie. The music stings are always, are always fun. Uh, whenever, whenever they happen to like a jump scare or somebody discovering a body or Jason showing up and it's, uh, the, the gore. Yeah. is definitely, you can tell it was definitely cut down from what it was originally attended. And sadly that happened to like, the entirety of the of the Friday the 13th series is the MPAA just like they hated they hated Friday the 13th they really did yes they really did but yeah I mean overall opinions I like it so go back and watch it whenever I can hey alright uh Roderick first time watcher of Friday the 13th part 2 lay it on us what's your overall thoughts um, yeah, I share a lot of the same thoughts with Hunter. I thought it was you literally hit the head, the nail on the head with slow burn as the words. Because I remember watching it last night thinking, man, a kill happened like 30 minutes ago. What's <laughs> going on? We're still kind of building on the characters. So it, it definitely took a lot longer to really get into the action, which was like at the very end. And then when it did happen, I thought it was a little bit kooky, some of the kills and just like how the third act was all set up but overall it's very fun and i do like the characters like how hunter was saying they do a really good job making us kind of i care about them a little bit they don't have a lot of backstory but they're just very fun all right yes i agree with both of you this has been a really long time since i've rewatched this movie but i have watched like reactions on youtube so it's been like cut up but sitting through this movie and I'm surprised you guys said slow burn because for me it, it moved pretty fast. This movie's only an hour and 37 minutes minus. I mean, that's not even counting credits. But like, I thought it moved really fast. Like one moment we did get the kill at the beginning. I do feel like the stretch of where we are in meeting the characters just because there's a lot more of them. Because uh, what in the first movie you have Kevin Bacon and like four other people, and or like five other people because you have the counselor and then. Here, we have, like, a group of what needs to be, like, what, 15, and we only really follow six of them. <laughs> yeah. But um, I thought it moved pretty fast. I thought this movie really needed to slow down a bit, especially to when it came to kills, because I feel like everybody was getting knocked off really quickly. Um, but, you know, that could just be poor time management, given that they had this long stretch in the middle here. Um, overall, I, I forget how much I really enjoyed this second one. Um, it's... It, it, hmm. Rewatching the first Friday Thirteenth movie way back when, uh, I was my mind was changed on that being like, oh, this is a classic, but it's not a very good movie. Here is the exact opposite. It's like, oh man, this is not as well known like you were saying, Hunter, but this one's really good. Like this one's really entertaining. Um, and I, I think the, the strength of this movie does come from the characters. It's, whether you know the names or not, a lot of these characters have really good like quirks to them that I really enjoyed. And I think it's, I think you nailed it, man. You, just yellow shirt, wheels, uh, panty girl, <laughs> like they're all here, and I enjoyed the ball. And uh, man, it, it's really good. And yeah, they are, man. I think they they are likable, which kind of stings when they get killed because a lot of them are just like trying to lit like. A lot of them are just horny, and it kind of sucks. Like, in the first movie, I remember, like, Kevin Bacon is kind of a jerk. Everyone else is kind of a jerk. Uh, the <laughs> Steve Christie, the counselor, and that one is kind of made up to be the main suspect, so he's kind of, like, weird, and he's kind of sleeping with Alice, who in that one maybe who is supposed to be, like, 
a teenager, so it kind of gives weird vibes here. They strictly have college kids, you can tell. Um, Paul, who is the counselor, is her yellow shirt guy. No, no, Paul is a... Who, who a bro, bro dude leader. Yeah, bro dude leader. Yeah, Paul. Here, every, everyone's relatively the same age as far as characters go. A lot of the actors are kind of wavering back and forth between 18 and not. But, uh, yeah, they they all have really good chemistry here, and I think that's the strength of this movie. Um, so let's let's get into this really good intro here. Man, Roger, me and you are big fans of Scream. This intro is really good. <laughs> it's really intense. How do you feel about it? I was actually surprised last night I watched it. It was really late. I just got off of work and I was like, all right, I got to get into this film. And I was, I got jumped, like, watching some of the episodes, some of the episodes, oh my gosh, the whole entire scene, there were moments where I was taken back a little bit because the music would spike or there'd be like a fake out, like the cat hopping through the window. And I was like, okay, this is actually kind of, you know, my heart is in a little bit. And you don't get that, especially with a lot of um, earlier horror movies because they're, they're very cheesy, per se, but the scoring had everything set up right. And then for the final girl to be, you know, the first one taken out, it was great. Yes, yes. And I, again, go re- relating it back to Scream, I feel like the same way you do, because, like, it got me, especially the cat. I was like, ah. And I normally am the one that's like, I hate jump scares, but that one got me, and I'm watching it in the broad daylight sitting in a car. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I got jumped by the cat. Um, But what really got me is that relating it back to scream this movie follows the the rules that randy lays out in scream 2 very closely <laughs> like you know if you were in the last movie you're getting got the second or the you know the the second time around and i was like oh wait oh he was right and then you know all the again we have a bigger body count that's the literally the tagline of this movie is the body count continues and so that's just really relating it back to scream there but um hunter how'd you feel about the opening with alice you know, you guys relating to Scream with the with the cat jump scare and everything. My mind automatically went to Alien Ooh. when Please cat scares the shit out of her. Uh, when I I think it was when she was trying to leave or escape. I can't, I can't remember. I haven't seen that movie for a while either. But her her cat scares her in that movie too, and I don't know why. But, like, you know, the final girl thing and everything, uh, like, with her being the survivor, and then the cat comes in, and I was like, fuck, that reminded me of Alien. I don't know why. Love that movie, by the way. Alien's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I I think I put a few, put a few notes down. Oh, the fact that she got that pick, like, straight into the side of her head, and it, like... I don't know why this impacted me so much, why this, like, stuck into my memory, but the fact that, like, the pick he put into her head went in so smooth, as if if he did, like, he did not have to try at all to, like, put it in her skull. It was, like, and it's like, man, he's pretty strong. He just punctured bone like it was nothing. And it's like, that is so brutal. That's so, that is so messed up. And, uh, I mean, Jason, he, he sets up throughout the whole franchise that he never kills animals, like pets. And I thought he, I thought later on in the movie he killed the dog, but then, you, you know, you see you see the dog, like, show up again. Um, I remember the dog's name. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember the dog's name. <laughs> 
I love uh, how I love how the title shows up and it fucking explodes. Man, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then they do that throughout this entire franchise. I know. It's so it's so bizarre. I love how in part six, it's a James Bond intro. Yes. Jason shows up and he slashes the screen and it's like, dude, what is that? I love it. Man, I, that man, that intro is, in part six is iconic because it is just James Bond with the blood coming down. Yeah. <laughs> I love the intros <laughs> to these movies because, yeah, like it's just like glass and then it explodes and they just can't, they yeah. do it throughout the entire franchise. It's, it has no like reason like, you know, like Halloween, you open with a pumpkin. Great. You know, child's play. We got the kids' uh, toys and everything. But no, Friday yeah. 13, a movie about a, a murder at a camp, and we're going with full-on Michael Bay explosions. <laughs> Love it. That's, that's what I'm here for. You see, that's why I watch your Friday 13 movies. It has no explanation. It just It's, it's just fucking wild, and it's fun. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> yes. Man, again, the simplest things, and I think that's just Friday Thirteenth in a nutshell. Um, yeah. As far as like the animal things go, that I knew there was something up with that. But you're right; he does. He never really hurts animals. I mean, earlier in this movie, we do get like a shot of a dog that may or may not, or of an animal that they find that may or may not been stepped on by Jason. It like they just died, and got tangled up in trees, though. But. I think it's there as an omen, but yeah, Jason never really hurts animals. As a, whenever I see a dog or any animal in a horror movie, I immediately think of Michael Myers, and I'm like, oh, that thing is getting eaten at some point. Oh yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, I really do love this intro with Alice. I think it's the right amount of intensity. It, it with her sleeping. Although we do get this like five minute recap of the last movie, which is something that they did in the '80s a lot. But okay, I want to. Can I? Can I point that out? Yeah, it is so uncomfortable. She is laying on that bed with no covers on her, just in her clothes, and she is, like, moaning to <laughs> these memories coming back to her. And I'm like, all right, we can not do this. We <laughs> skip forward a little bit. Yes. But we gotta see the trauma. We have to hear it. <laughs> the trauma sounds like she's having too much fun. I'm like, I <laughs> Oh, well, she's an actress. We didn't really say she was a good actress. <laughs> I didn't think about that, too. I was like, man, just setting up that scene must have been so awkward. Like, right? just yeah. sit here and ogle and ogle for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> and if, like, and this is, yeah, this is Alice from the last movie. She survived the last movie. If anyone, like, knows how I feel about the last movie, I always call her Discount Luke Skywalker. Because she, in that movie, she's wearing, like, the exact same outfit Luke will be wearing at, on, like, Tatooine. And she has, like, the same hair. And so, seeing her here, she's kind of pulling a Princess Leia in a green dress. I, this, you guys were uncomfortable with the moaning. I was paying, I was paying attention to her outfit. Like, this outfit is so weird to me. And I'm glad she took a shower put on a robe because i was like where do you even find that in the 80s like what are you wearing a carpet what what are you wearing <laughs> maybe she made it you know they did make an illusion they made an illusion to her like going into seclusion and art to kind of overcome her trauma that I take place say, i think yeah. five years ago <laughs> which by the way why does it take jason five years to find her and murder her and why does he go after her and how does he know where she lives? Okay, so all valid questions. We should, the realism. 
<laughs> I, I mentioned this when we did Freddy versus Jason and how everything with Freddy Krueger lines up linearly because it follows the year of which the movies come out most of all, most of the time. Friday the 13th has some of the most whacked out timeline and, and they never address it. Like you were, we were saying earlier, it's always just random. But Hunter, I'm really leaning on you. Do you know the timeline of these movies? Because... Okay, so it says five years later, but what I was was I was always uh, what I was always told that the beginning of this movie is two months later, and then we jump five years. Yes. So, so the beginning of the movie when she is killed is two months after she survived the initial attack from Jason's mom. Oh. So part two takes place five years after she was killed, and that's what sparked the whole legend of Jason being a thing in the first place. That's why they were talking about it. Gotcha. So it's five it's five years after she was killed. Why why it needed to be such a big space right. in between? I don't know at all. <laughs> it also kind of retcons uh like like child swamp boy Jason cuz they stated in when the first movie came out is that Jason was real when he came out and grabbed her. But since the studio wanted to make a sequel, a bunch of the original people that worked on the first Friday movie were like, okay, we don't want any part of this. So they just retconned a bunch of shit. And they basically made it to... Basically tried to say that Swamp Boy Jason was an illusion. And he didn't actually come out and attack her. But that wouldn't make sense because she had a perfect memory of what he looked like. And it was accurate, according to the timeline that's accurate, right. but oh. it never actually existed. So, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know, man. It was all a dream. That's I'm a little, little woozy here. <laughs> right. Because, like, that's always confused um, me. Anyway. Yeah, the whole timeline. Yes, she's dead, and then five years later. Part two, I think, is out of the, all of the Friday Thirteenth movie. Thir- that, I can't speak. Out of all the Friday Thirteenth movies, I'm leaving that in. Screw it. This is this one is the one that makes me laugh out loud the most, and I I, I wholeheartedly believe that because this whole opening with uh the like the real opening with the, us meeting these new characters, I love them being at the phone booth. <laughs> And then crazy ass Ralph just stands there. <laughs> Ralph, that's his name. Yeah. Yes, I love Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph is my favorite character from the first movie because he just appears out of nowhere. You're all gonna die, and then he gets oh, on his doomed, doomed, and then he just he just looks at him and goes, "Okay, bye." Yeah. <laughs> my favorite shot is him getting on his little bike and just. Pedaling away. <laughs> the kids have such a realistic, like, like reaction to him coming up to them. They're just looking at each other. They're like, they're like, okay, can I okay. help? You? <laughs> yeah. I tried to tell the others, you're all doomed. And he just stands there. It's like he, he lags. He just stands there looking at. Them. He's like. You gotta say anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> and then he yeah he gets on his little Kermit the Frog bike and just ro- rides off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And then, like, to the to like sprinkle on an extra layer of comedy in the background, their car is being towed. <laughs> I just I love everything about this. <laughs> it's on, like yeah, like we were saying earlier. I I don't know how this movie did it, but they successfully blended in like good humor into a horror movie. And I, I've said it to Shelton hundreds of times, and I've said it to a lot of people. But I I think two of the best genres that blend together the best if you do it well is comedy and horror i think they go together so well if you can do it right and this this movie like unintentionally did it so well yes and yes like it's very it feels very unintentional because like i agree with that horror and comedy blend really well together i kind of get a little picky when it comes to horror comedy because i think it just depends on the type of comedy you're doing like uh this movie Freddy vs. Jason, Bride of Chucky, like that that type of comedy I can roll with. But, you know, unpopular opinion. I, when you get those things like Shaun of the Dead, I kind of like, all right, I get it. But also, I'm not really laughing. I'm just kind of giggling along. But, I mean, that's just me. But I do I do agree with you overall. Like, this movie, whether it be intentional or not, is hilarious. I laughed out loud so many times rewatching this movie. And that... Crazy Ralph always gets me. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but like, there it was a theory, and then it almost got confirmed because there was supposed to be a Friday Thirteenth movie that was written by Nick Nick Acosta. You know that name? He's a screenwriter. He worked on Hannibal, um, but he wrote a script with I forgot who was directing it, but he wrote a script and uh, and it was supposed to come out in like twenty thirteen or it was around that time where he was trying to get it off the ground and. His whole idea was, um, as far as the movie goes, it was basically going to be a remake or modernization of the first movie, but they were going to weave in back, uh, they're going to weave in like flashbacks and backstory of what happened in the 70s and in the 50s with Jason and Pamela leading up to her killing the two people at the beginning of the first movie. I thought, it, I've read the script, it's, it's really good, it's really fun, and they kind of redo the first movie as far as like the 80s setting it was going to be set in the 80s but you're going to get flashbacks to the 70s and the 50s it was really good but um the the thing that he put in there is that he implied that crazy ralph is actually pamela's husband and he and she kind of drove him crazy before and after or after uh, jason initially drowned and so that's why they're both like these haunted figures and he's trying to warn everyone hey my crazy ass wife is running around but he can't verbalize it like effectively and so i if they redo friday which we are getting a movie soon from what i hear but like i really do hope they kind of bring that in because i do like the theory of crazy ralph being this like damaged husband that's been trying to like warn everyone but he's just been relative he's just been relegated to the crazy man the the town's crazy the town (laughs) i love this term because uh, of gravity falls but the town kook (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is that is perfect. Yes, oh yeah. But yes, uh so in this scene we get introduced to I do have names written down. I tried to follow them as much as I could, but if not, we can relegate to what you have down, Hunter. But this in this initial scene we get to meet Jeffrey, uh Ted and Rex and Sandra. So those are our Rex. first four. Yeah, Sandra's the girl, Jeffrey is the um not Kevin Bacon lookalike. He's wearing kind of the same outfit. Ted is the one that tows their car, and then Rex is the other guy. He's the the, the mechanic. 
who was also a counselor. I don't know why Rex is there. <laughs> for to be honest, he doesn't do much. Rex is the best character in this whole movie. <laughs> I think like every character is the best character because like, <laughs> but yes, Rex is great. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I do love the prank of them like towing away the car, and they'd be like, "No," <laughs> and then he pops. Yes. <laughs> and it's just really, it's just a nice little fun way to start off the movie. Um, from there, we get to Camp Blood, uh, or so this isn't this isn't Camp Crystal Lake. This is a different camp. They're set up next to it. Yeah, they they were like they were like, let's just build another one right next to the other one that's you know fucked. Yeah. But we're just gonna. <laughs> okay, so I, I was a little bit confused because I was like, I'm pretty sure they got the same camp, but it's just next, just just a couple miles it's west. The other camp. Yeah. <laughs> Roderick... yeah th- this one's called like Packinac Lodge or something. Yeah. yeah. Pa- mm-hmm. Man, Roderick, as we move on with these movies, and I hope you continue, but like you'll you'll see the real estate of this whole entire like area of camp ground you'll be surprised at what they do <laughs> what? not only is the timeline inconsistent in the friday 13 movies but the locations don't make any sense no. in the slightest <laughs> i do know that there's one set in like new york or something which yeah. is like why is but anyway yeah, yeah. And again uh according to freddie versus jason i think just I think they bring it up here, but Camp, Camp, blah, blah, blah. Camp Crystal Lake is supposed to be in New Jersey. <laughs> okay. So the yeah. boat ride to Manhattan in that movie always confuses me. <laughs> Why does it take so long? But also, um, what else was I going to bring up? Oh, uh, um, yeah, the locations, like you were saying, Hunter, are insane because I remember, like, the one that always gets me is the halfway house or like the uh the the mental health facility that just happens to be there and has always been there in part five. Oh yeah for for all for all the troubled youth yes and and it's just there uh now it's like i feel like i feel like every time they need a new setting they're just like this was here the whole time you guys don't remember when they saw it across the lake back in part two, it, yeah. it was all <laughs> the way they try to like weave in some because there's like, yeah, because in two movies from now, there's going to be a whole like uh, resort area <laughs> in, this. What in the world. <laughs> yes. yeah. I don't know how fast they built these buildings and these houses, but it's insane, man. <laughs> it's 80 acres of land for who we get murdered on, and a lake. And a lake. How do you yeah. build stuff fast on a lake? And it's constantly I think, raining. I think. I think it's just. A, it's like a, a temporal rift in space time in Crystal Lake, where it's just like we're just seeing bits and pieces of different parts of time in for right. different realities, and it's just like just kind of moves on to the next one without telling anybody. Right, it's man. like that American Horror Story uh, Hell Portal. Yeah. One just yeah. exists at Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> yes. Alright. Uh, let's get into some more of these characters here. So uh, we after that we get um, we get introduced to Paul when all the counselors are at the camp. And yeah, Paul is the <laughs> bro dude. 
Uh, I love Paul though. He's great. He's a lot better than Steve Christie, who was like, "All right, we got a lot to work. We got a lot. To, we got a lot of work to do, guys." And he goes off on his break for the entire day as they're sitting there setting up the camp. And here, Paul is actually working with the with them and is partying with them. So I like the fact that he's a, a better leader. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Uh, let's see who else we got. Oh, we also get introduced to Mark, who I believe is the one in the wheelchair. I think Mark is the one in the wheelchair. Um, we also get Terry, who never has any clothes on, and Vicky, who also never has any clothes on. But Terry's the one with the short hair. But is Terry the one that owns the dog? That has like you, you she goes skinny dipping, or is that? So yes, Terry's the one that goes skinny dipping. Vicky is the one that is uh trying to fuck the wheelchair guy. Mark, yes, they're both sweet. By the way, yes. both the wheelchair guy and the girl trying to fuck him—they're both they are. sweethearts. Like they had some and really good—he had some really good pickup lines. Like I was like, "All right, oh." <laughs> we also forgot the dog's name is Muffin. I just wanted to say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Muffin. That's the one thing they'll contribute to memory. <laughs> <laughs> we remember muffins forever and ever. <laughs> And then, um, so during this whole entire like powwow that they're having, uh, again, we get a lot of people. I did spot there's only one black guy though, but we get a lot of people <laughs> in this in this camp, way more than last time. They're all kind of excited and prepared, but we get our main final girl, who I actually really like her a lot. But we get Jeannie, or I think it's Jeannie or Ginny. Either way, it's spelled G I N N Y. At least that's by the subtitles I was watching. But it's like. Yeah, and she's the assistant head counselor, yet she's late. A day late, I think is what they said, or a couple hours late. But um, she she rides in in this like little little tiny, the tiniest little red toy car I've ever seen. Busted. <laughs> I think it's coffin. <laughs> yes, she barely got up there. It's like I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> My car is sick. That's what she said. Yeah, My so car is sick. <laughs> he was like, you could have called. Well. <laughs> your, your phone's out, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, how do we feel about Jeannie here as our final girl? Uh, Hunter? Um, I think it's nice to have, like, a really smart final girl that, like, uh, I mean, she comes up with something pretty clever towards the end. It doesn't exactly work out. Um, but I mean, it's still something pretty clever. I, I, I like her. Uh, I completely forgot that dude, bro, dude, dude, bro, uh, leader is psych girls, um, a boy, boyfriend. And I, I forgot that they were dating in the movie until like she showed up late. He went to go talk to her and then they kissed and I was like, Oh, that's right. I forgot the, the leader and the assistant are dating, so it's like, huh? Completely forgot that part of the of the whole movie. Um, but as far as like a final girl goes, she did good. She uh, she lasts a little while. I think I also this time watching the movie, I never noticed this before. But she pisses under the bed. Oh yeah, <laughs> I never. I, that is something I completely missed every other time I've watched this movie. It's the first time I've ever noticed that. Oh, man, yeah. They're gonna that had you. me cracking up. And it wasn't even Jason. It was a rat <laughs> that kind of started. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you poor girl. But I, she's good. 
I, I think she's smart, and that's uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's kind of a rare trait in a lot of in a lot of slasher movies is having like a smart final girl as opposed to just running away purely. You know what I mean? Yeah, we have our standouts, but the normal final girl is the one that just kind of stumbles upon everything and somehow makes it. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Roderick, how'd you feel about Jeannie as our final girl here? Yeah, totally agree. I love a purposeful final girl who actually has a valuable trait that doesn't get introduced at the last minute to kind of be a quick save, but something that gets set up as the actual resolution. I love that. And then another thing that I thought was really cool was just her introduction. She didn't like come on screen, at least for me, as a traditional final girl. I thought she would be one of the people who would get slashed. Because she just came on and she didn't have like the innocent final girl. Oh, you know, I'm just here. I'm super sweet moment. She was already kind of not following the rules by fraternizing with dude bro. And then, of course, being late and kind of being a little bit, you know, just smart, real cutthroat and everything. So it was just nice to see that be flipped on its head a little bit. She also beat the shit out of Jason a couple of times. Like, dude, like really gave him a run for his money. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a young Jason. He hasn't gotten his strength yet. His strength yet. He, he has become the fucking revenant tank that we know him as now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with both of you guys. I do lean more towards you, Roger. I what stood out to me the most is how unconventional of a final girl, especially for at this point in time, that she is. She's much looser. She's much. I enjoyed her. She's she's the party girl essentially. And she's, you know, she's very laid back other than, you know, compared to any of the other, other final girls we would have. You know, Lori is known for being very uh, internal. Sydney being very, you know, um, also internal. Quote, quote, but virginal, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, virgin, yeah, quote, unquote, virginal to themselves. But here, she's the life of the party. She's the one that's, you know, really talking up a storm. And she she never shuts up in this movie until Jason is chasing her. Um, but I liked her a lot. I I love Jeannie. And again, she is smart. She she thinks really quick on her feet. Um, she was hilarious. I just yeah, she's really good. That's what surprised me the most though is just how laid back she was, and even to the point where like Paul is the one telling her to calm down, <laughs> like you know take things seriously. And no, she's she's very laid back until it's time to get to work. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, and John, going from there, we got most of the characters down here. Uh, just to kind of touch on some of these subsequent characters, though, we have uh, Jeff and Sandra, who kind of are secondary leads, because they're the ones that are constantly fucking around with Camp Blood. <laughs> Every moment they get, they're like, let's go check out Camp Crystal Lake. And he's <laughs> mostly Sandra. He's like, nah, maybe we shouldn't. And she's like, no, 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 let's, let's go. And so they sneak over to the other side of the camp. And they're walking around. They see the little mangled animal, and they're we're seeing sets from the last movie. And they do stumble upon the the giant. I'm I'm guessing like a shed that Jason quote unquote build. Um, but we also get this like police officer character. But you know, just then again, I guess we kind of touched on this earlier. But just having Camp Crystal Lake be just a you know a, a couple steps the other way is just weird. <laughs> yeah. Like they had that camp right next to the camp, the the camp where people got murdered multiple times. Literally, <laughs> it's pretty real estate. They, they put up one fence and said, "That's good." Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we can get into the kills here, and uh, that that should round us out. 
Yeah, so kills start happening. Well, we got Alice's kill at the beginning. The second kill would be the police officer, right? In the in the can. Where's the old dude? Is it old dude or police officer? Who gets it first? The police officer gets it first. Police officer gets it first, yeah, because <laughs> Ralph doesn't appear until later on. Oh, Which yeah. can we talk about that? The police officer's death. The fact that he was like, "Oh, what is that in the woods?" Hearing a tree branch snap, and he runs for like seven miles after <laughs> something he cannot see. Right. He, I was like, "Just you could have just drove away. It's not your your jurisdiction, technically." But nope, he goes and tries to put down the law. I love the fact that he is like breathing really heavy. <laughs> oh, he was running. <laughs> I, yeah, I, when he's running through the woods, at one point he stops and he swoops his hair back. Yes. And then he's running. <laughs> I will. <laughs> he, like, push... <laughs> he forgot the like, cameras just, were on. <laughs> just let him go. <laughs> right? He didn't even know who he saw. He was just like, hey, stop. Where are you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I do like the death. So he gets... Uh, he sees the it kind of sets up the the main mystery of this movie being of who is Jason is Jason alive or not and I do love the fact that it's a, just a giant it kind of reminds me of I don't know if you guys remember like the the adaptation of Peter Pan uh from 2003 oh my goodness one of my favorite like childhood m- movies but like this shed reminds me of how they had like the little treehouse clubhouse in that in that movie <laughs> Oh right! It's just a tiny house in the middle of the field. Like there's nothing else by it. It's just this little tiny house. And every time anyone looked at it or walked by it, I just all I thought about was Peter Pan. I cannot believe I didn't draw that connection. I used to watch that movie all the time. Man, that was one of those like seminal road trip movies for my family. Like my dad wanted us to shut up. Peter Pan. <laughs> great movie. Yes, great. Great adaptation. It doesn't get brought up enough. But um but yeah, this little shed. And so i we're kind of jumping around all over the place here. Um, we are getting ready to end in a bit, but like it's revealed later on that <laughs> So Jason found his mom's head. He he did they retcon everything to the point where they said that he witnessed her die and I guess also saw that she killed a bunch of people, but didn't have the Allegedly. Curse. Yeah, didn't have the curse to let her know he was still alive. Also, how old is he at that point? Seven or thirty-five. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> right. Seven or thirty-five. And so I'm thinking it's funny because in my notes I'm like I'm pretty sure we're supposed to think Jason's supposed to be a really tall thirteen-year-old, but I'm not the best at math. But I got thirteen. But okay, well I can go with like <laughs> thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, he's a really—he's one of those like linebackers in like fifth grade. <laughs> this cornbread. Yes. <laughs> There's something in the water at Crystal Lake. There's some growth hormones going on in there. But that's you know. what needs to be studied—the <laughs> water, right? <laughs> it's the yeah. real mystery. It has resurrection powers. It's able to just multiply your cellular growth or even sustain it because at some point he gets like locked down in the lake and he's still alive he's just anchored there which mm-hmm. h2o to oxygen convertibility yep right that's the real movie right there it also enhances speed because he could get across the lake in like two seconds by teleporting through the lake <laughs> talk about it talk about it yep 
Also, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it is during this uh, this cop kill that we do hear Kiki Mama for like the first time, I think, or at least since. Yeah. Because it's not really yeah. in the first movie, but it's definitely in this one. I I kind of I kind of got happy when we heard it. Just you know, Cheech or Kiki, whatever however you pronounce it, the sounds there. <laughs> It's like kill, 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 her, 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 something like that. I can't remember. It, it. I know that that was the original. Like, what it's supposed to say. Yeah. But people interpret it different ways. It is classic. Depending on where you come from. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm reading my notes now. But he gets it through the back of the head with the hammer. Oh, I didn't. Oh yeah, that that yeah. Jason, damn. <laughs> he does not like cops. All right. Um. So I do love the the. Again, in the first movie, it's I found it absolutely hilarious, but just dumb as hell and just mean the fact that Steve is able to survive most of that movie until he comes back by going off into town on his break. And he's gone for like 12 hours here. They just have, you know, it's, the, it's their last night before they have to really start getting to work and training. So they all go out to the bar, except our main, you know, bloody our main like meat bags. Uh, but I do like the fact that Jeannie and Paul are at the bar with them. Like, they do the same thing Christy does, except they come back and Ted survives because he stays there. <laughs> I do love – and, man, I want to I know, like, working at this, like, diner or this bar here must be one of the best jobs ever because <laughs> you get a whole lot of people in at once. Yeah, there's a rush, but they must tip really well. Plus, I mean, you, uh, she got to have fun with Rex Rex's humor, uh, yellow shirt guy. Yes. <laughs> Like the beer bottles, he's using them as goggles, and I was like, "This dude, I, I would go drinking with this guy in real life." Rex is fun. <laughs> and so uh, it's funny because, like, I wrote in my notes, Scott is me. Like, I Scott feels like me in, a, in in this situation. Scott is the one that gets tied up with the rope later on, but his horny ass. He, I love the oh, scene. Where, yeah, <laughs> I love the scene where Scott is like trying to get with the other girls, but he gets like they hand him the dog, and so he's walking around with the dog, and he's like, "Man, I'm striking out tonight," because the dog is like trying to get down from him as well. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> like, and there I was in a break joint late at night, and he's talking to the dog as he's dancing with it. That's yeah. a good. <laughs> also, they're at this like it's like a bar slash diner, but I love the fact that the band is wearing nothing but Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> it's Hawaiian shirt night. <laughs> All right, uh, this, movie's this movie is so fun but yes to the to the to the kills here so we can start uh heading towards the end here we have we covered the cop who gets it with the back of the head uh with the hammer next up we have is it scott is it scott that's next yeah him and um what's her face <clears throat> i think it's old man wrinkles first oh god damn <laughs> it is my favorite character yes uh ralph does get hit with or he gets um choked by a wire or something at the at the tree sad to see my mans go but you know, he wasn't really much help to be honest although i will miss him and his kermit the frog bike it is the same exact bike by the way like the big wheel and the small wheel it, it's the same bike i love, I it. love that <laughs> Oh all right and so then we move into the later kills here which oh man just um so i want to say it is scott that is first because he gets roped up after terry goes skinny dipping and he steals her clothes and i love the head she i love her outfit also just her wearing the purple um with the, like the cutoff shirt but um we do get titties because it's a horror movie and we have to have titties gotta point that obligatory out. yes yeah, my, my notes here uh 
says titties in all capital letters. Yeah, same here. Titties. <laughs> yeah. It's a very important factor of these movies. I stand by that. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how everyone that comes to Crystal Lake is just so comfortable with nudity. Like, none of them have any reservations about it at all. You just lose all inhibitions. So did Jason set this trap or did someone else set this trap? But, like, he gets he gets uh, hung by upside down. I, I'm guessing Jason did it, but they kind of hint at that it could be a prank from someone else. It was unclear to me, but I do like this death a lot. I just wish it was we got to see all of it. But, um, yeah, he gets hung up, and so G- Terry is like, I'll go get help if your problem's not to be a jerk anymore. And he's like, all right, cool. I don't see how you can't just, like, find the source of the rope and untie it because it's next to a tree. Also, where where is Scott's upper body strength? You feel like I, I, I'm not sitting there hanging from a tree i would just like try my best to at least do like a curl or two and see if i can grab the rope sit myself up and climb up the tree but um no he just insists on hanging there and jason comes up with the machete and cuts his throat (laughs) it is one of my favorite deaths though because i just i do wish it was longer but it's one of my favorites uh, from there, the deaths at this point, the deaths start happening back to back to back. Uh, Terry gets chased, and we don't see her death, but we see her body later on, and <laughs> it is <laughs> it is pretty funny. Uh, next up, we have uh, is it? Oh, we have Sandra and Jeff. Are they're in the bed? They get the same kind of death Kevin Bacon got in the first movie. Uh, they <laughs> these guys. I love, you can tell when a horror movie or just a cheesy 80s movie has like a really nice like tone to it. Again, going with that comedy, but we we end with, we start with the death and then the cut and it's them finishing and being like, Ugh. it's like the biggest sigh ever. I would also like to point out to their chemistry. It just seemed very genuine. Yes. Like I really liked their whole dynamic every time they were on screen. Oh, it was great. I- put in my notes double penetration spear kill yeah. oh my god <laughs> i put in my notes they get kebobbed <laughs> is it does wheelchair guy die before them or after them oh he oh, wheelchair, after. he dies before because i have it so he dies before oh okay i know i'm jumping around here. To the face. yes and he has uh, the most iconic death scene this death yeah always makes me laugh out loud but i i love this so much because like he's this is right after him and girl are playing the game and so he essentially is getting ready to like finger her and she steps i think it's vicky because vicky is the one with the brown panties and so she steps outside and he's like steps out on the deck looking for her and this that's after we find out his dick still works and i love this death so much it's so Wait. abrupt it's such a fake out. He steps outside. Man. Uh, well, you did say that one, so you did. Oh, what did I say? <laughs> he steps outside. Oh, I'm not cutting that out. Wow. Way to be ableist. <laughs> Can I share my notes for that scene? Yes, please do. Wheelchair guy died very sadly, but I think he played the role well. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean you're not wrong, but yeah, that's all the way. We're full of unintentional puns tonight, huh? 
Can we talk about the the camera fake out of him like looking out on the patio deck or something? Because he hears a noise, I think, behind him. Yes. And the camera keeps going from in front to behind to front and behind and then behind. And then the next time we see it up front, bam, he gets the slash. And it's like he gets hit in the face with the machete. It go he, he Jason leaves it in. And it's just for me, it's just the slow roll and then the bumping down the steps. And the body double. Yes. <laughs> wild man oh man it's like no this death and then the death in halloween 2 with uh if you know you know that with the cop car makes me laugh out loud every single time (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's just just so unintentionally funny (laughs) just kaboom i do like his shirt though the red shirt oh man um, I don't know if I mean I guess it's a fun fact, but like this actor, um, he is no longer with us. He died very young of AIDS, but he a lot of Aww. a lot of people cite him as being one of the best um people to work with. And he did go on to do uh other stuff. Um also the guy that plays Scott, we will see him later on this year as well because we are doing Chopping Mall and he plays one of the main characters in that movie. Chopping Mall No oh. Yes. <laughs> Chopping wall is one of my favorites. Okay, so uh, after that, uh, yeah, a lot of bodies drop very quickly. Uh, Vicky f- ends up finding some of the bodies, and then uh, this is our first look. It's when uh, it's when Vicky finds the bodies. We get our first official look at Sackhead Jason. Man, how how do we like this design? How do we like this look? Uh, Roger- you know, <laughs> I'm so glad you said it. You know what it reminds me of? What? It reminds me of. That the penultimate scene in Django. Oh, Who, yeah. cut <laughs> Who cut these? Who cut these I can't see out of mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think about when I was watching it. Who cut his eye hole and why does he only have one? <laughs> Real hard on these. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thoughts. Going home. No, don't be like that. No. <laughs> my wife, 50 bags of flour. <laughs> Mess. Yeah, that design was a choice. Oh, no. No, every time I see this, I'm just going to be like, oh, Django. I don't know why I never put that together before. (laughs) Yeah, KK Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. What about you, Hunter? What's your thoughts on the design? (laughs) I I mean... (laughs) It's hard to follow up, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Dude, it's just... I. Because you see him for the first time, and then it's followed up with, like, a POV stabbing. And, like, I don't I don't know, man. Because you, you get the, um... I don't know how the sack is staying in a place for him to see out of it, okay? Because it's such a loose sack yeah. on his head. And it's like, how is he able to, like look around properly there's no way he he has any peripheral vision at all yes i yeah, you, I agree you're so right because it's not like molded to his face it's not tied down or anything it's just a loose bag it's just it's ridiculous i mean they they kind of did the same thing in in the in the remake uh, re- reboot, remake. Oh, I can't, I can't yeah, it, it's, it. I, I kind of as a reboot. It's a reboot because they kind of just. Yeah. It's a best of. 
Yeah, they, they they did it in that one, but they made it tighter to his face, so it actually like made sense. Yeah, and he had uh, two high this... holes. He had two high holes in that one. Yeah, <laughs> but just like one eye hole, loose sack. There's no way he's seen shit. <laughs> Running through the woods too from that cop. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. I don't uh, know. Where it's he... raining. I want to know where he got the bag from. In the re- in the reboot, they kind of like, you know, he picked it up or he already had it. But <laughs> And he had the whole little secret tunnel thing going on. But in this movie, it's never explained. I just want to know where he got it. <laughs> where he he went it? to town and got it. Came <laughs> back. just stolen it from some. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> you don't need these. He, grew, he probably took it from the pantry where he put <laughs> Ralph's body. <laughs> maybe. Which is a funny, funny Easter egg because he puts Ralph's body in the pantry. And if you remember in the first movie, Ralph has that scene where he comes out of the pantry. No one knows how he got there, but he's like, you're all doomed. And then he... <laughs> One of my favorite things ever. Okay, um, so Paul and Jeannie get back to town or get back to the camp and they end up finding the bloody bed. And that kind of kicks off the third act of the movie here. Um... And I have one question throughout this entire chase. It's a great chase, but where the hell did Paul go? <laughs> he was he was like knocked out of the ground, wasn't he? Was he? I, I think so. He, I just I remember looking, and then I think I might have looked away for like a second. And he was gone, and I'm like, wait, this entire chase, Paul's nowhere to be found. And then he shows up at the end. I'm like, where did he go? Because <laughs> uh, him and Jason were were like fighting uh, in the cabin, oh, I must and. Yeah, they're having a little, a little, little rustling match, and uh, I'm pretty sure Dude Bro got knocked out. Dude Bro and Psych Girl. That sounds like that's like a comic book. I, I would I would actually. <laughs> Dude Bro and Psych Girl. Okay, I love one of my favorite things aside from her pissing pissing herself from the rat like that was, just, and it's a hiding spot. So she's hiding under the bed and she pees herself when she's the rat. And so Jason's response is to take it, stand up on a chair and act like he. Oh left. my god! <laughs> and the chair breaks, so he misses the stab. <laughs> Comedy. Yes. <laughs> great. It is great because it's like, yeah, this is definitely Jason just starting out. He's really trying to make mom proud. <laughs> and I he really is. Yeah. yeah. And I love the fact that she uses the chair to hit him afterwards. <laughs> She also gets a chainsaw, which doesn't last long, though. She got one good swipe on him and did nothing with it. (laughs) She gave him a cool cut and said, all right, I did it, and then walked out. Ah, no. I don't know how to use this thing. I did have a question about that, though. So when Paul and Jason are fighting and uh, Jenny's just there, she's like, oh, no, Paul, ah, ah, just watching as they're fighting. And then Jason gets up to starts chasing after her. Why does he leave Paul alive? Because from my knowledge of Jason, he doesn't knock anyone out. It's either they got away or they're dead. So why was Paul the exception? That is a great. Okay, so that is that kind of leads into one of my original thoughts, and I'm gonna brief, keep it brief here because I do kind of want us to end. But um, and it, Hunter, I again, I think you know the franchise as much or probably a little better than I do. But first half of the question: Does Jason ever leave anyone alive inten- intentionally? He has uh, more to set up traps or like lure people out. 
every once in a while. But that's in, like, the later movies when he gets a little bit smarter and a little bit more, like, I guess... Monstrous? I, yeah. Because he's done it once or twice, but not often. Um, my my headcanon is that they wrestled each other to the ground, had a real personal conversation, and then Jason was like, alright, I'm uh, tagging you out. And then, Got you. Yeah. Knock him out. Okay. I'll be back. <laughs> Paul whispered in his ear, go after my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> He's the real killer. Yeah. <laughs> and so that kind of leads into what, what, what I wrote down in my notes here. My original thought was like, are we... S- so in retrospect, we know it's Jason, but if you know the first movie in the fact that it was built up as a murder mystery going into this movie, and again, the marketing for these movies, at least for the first couple, were very like subliminal, like they weren't as heavily, they were marketed, but they weren't as marketed as like, this is your villain. Here, are we again supposed to assume that it's a murder mystery? And if so, are we a, are we supposed to assume that the killer was supposed to be Paul until the, the, the end here? No, because he was at the bar the whole time. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Again, okay, so, I'm, I, yeah, okay, that is fair. But are we still supposed to assume it's a, a murder mystery, or are we supposed to, does the movie tell us Jason is, because we're talking about Jason, but we don't get confirmation until the end. So are we kind of supposed to take the same kind of tactic of, is this a murder mystery like the first movie? I guess you could. I don't know. I would have to disagree. I don't think so. I think it would be a murder mystery up until the point where the old guy gets strangled because he's like the only, you know, suspect because everyone else doesn't really have a motive. Okay. Yeah. I I would say like Paul or Ted, but they're both at the bar. Um, so that kind of rules them out immediately. But in the first movie, it was Mrs. Voorhees, and she has no season till the end. So <laughs> we could assume it was like another rando from the town. But um, okay, that was my only my thing because I'm thinking like in retrospect, I've always known like even my first time watching this movie, which I did do the whole thing of watching all of the movies for the first time like all together. But even I knew like Jason was the killer in the second one because scream kind of spoiled it for me growing up and scary movie. But like, I, that was just my only thought rewatching it this time. I'm like, are we supposed to think it's a murder mystery? Cause it doesn't play as a murder mystery. Like the first one does. Cause in the first one you do get, everyone doesn't necessarily have a motive, but it could be any of them essentially. And they lean heavily into Steve who is gone and we get a couple shots of him at the bar, but again, he doesn't return until like nighttime and half the camp, half of the counselors are dead. So here it was just the thought I had passing by, but obviously it could have just been, this is supposed to be Jason the entire time. Here's our reveal of him. And he gets a really big reveal. <laughs> uh, I do. I do like the final fight in the final conversation between Jason and Jeannie with her, doing the most disgusting thing I've ever seen, which is she stumbles upon this little magic uh shed and <laughs> sees a little shrine to his mom and puts on the dead woman's sweater. This... You gotta put that psychology degree to use somehow. Right. <laughs> this is that that would make a wild, wild this is what happened to me over the summer essay. 
Our thesis. <laughs> I stopped the psycho murderer by pretending to be his mom. Man, oh man, she like <laughs> that's her entire like career is built on that. I've come with a new method. It's called the sweater method. We're gonna take a bunch of kids who have lost someone, put on an article of their clothing, and yell at them. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that was some type of tactic, just reworked in therapy. Oh yeah, probably, definitely somewhere in like Alabama, maybe. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, uh, how'd you guys feel about the the end conversation between Jeannie and Jason and her giving Jason the big chop? How'd you guys feel about it? My only thing is, I'll be brief. Why not just aim for the head? Just yeah. take his head off, girl. Yes, I thought the I wrote the same thing. I'm like, why didn't she aim for the head? The head, Dewey. Shoot him in the head. Yes. Uh, uh, Hunter, how'd you, how'd you feel about the the end here with her putting on the sweater and the big old chop? I th- it's a good idea, and like I said, she's a smart. Um, final girl for, for having that idea and everything. She puts a machete into his shoulder. She doesn't take it out. She doesn't go for a second hit or anything. And they kind of like, they get out of there. And then there's that jump scare at the end where he crashes through the window and grabs her. But like, where's Paul? Like, where's, where's bro dude? Where did he go? Where did she go? What happened? <laughs> Are they dead? Are they fine? Is this another hallucination? Like, fucking Swamp Boy Jason coming out of the water? And then, like, these two are... Fu- like, I... The ending of... The- After this whole movie, this is the most confusing fucking part to me. I cannot, for the life of me, understand. I don't know what the end... Like, the very, very end was actually supposed to be. I'm so glad you brought that up, because I had the same thought. I was like, wait a minute... <laughs> Me three. <laughs> like, where the fuck did he go? <laughs> it's entertaining. Like, so they take off his mask and everything because they think he's dead, and they do the whole, huh, he is ugly. <laughs> I do, like, the, them in unison going, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they limp back to the cabin, which I don't know why he didn't put her in the car and drive off, but they go back to the cabin, and then we get the whole intense scene of them being at the door, and it's it's Muffins. Muffins is still alive. That's great. It's a whole hey. <laughs> Muffins, Muffins surviving the movie as she should. <laughs> and then, bam, Jason is not dead, crashes through the window, which becomes one of his like signature things. And one of my favorite moves of Jason, actually, is when he crashes through like a window or a door. And Brutal. I love it every single, anytime he, th- he does it. And so, yeah, you're right. Like, this is a, what, what happens? <laughs> this is kind of like freeze frame, and then the movie's over. I'm pretty sure... I, again, I haven't seen part three in a while either, but I don't remember if they address whether or not they survived. Man, I don't remember at all. I remember what Jason does. He, like, attacks the next-door neighbor, which, again, this is where the location shifts again because it's a it's a neighborhood next to the camp now. What? And a barn. <laughs> like, it's, it's a farm next to the camp. <laughs> it turns into, like, a residential, like... It, or not a resident. It comes. It, uh, it kind of turns into like a countryside. I know that there's a barn because the whole entire movie is surrounded by this barn, but the camp is like on the other side, and so it gets weird. And there's like roads that leads to a hospital because the hospital's nearby. The location of the camp gets weird. <laughs> 
But um, I don't remember if they address Genie or whatever. But this is where, the, again, the timeline starts to get wonky again because parts three and four take place like consecutively, like right after, right? Like this is supposed to be part three specifically, I think, is right after this movie, like a day later, right? Can't remember. I think I, I like... need to rewatch them. Now I'm going to end up watching the whole fucking franchise again. <laughs> if you do, <laughs> I will. Let me know because <laughs> I want to know. You should build the timeline, actually, Hunter. Just build it. Just go Do ahead. A YouTube video building the timeline. <laughs> but yeah, from what I remember, I, I could be wrong. Again, we're doing that movie next week, but I think it is like a day later, if not like a day or two, at the least a few hours. But I remember Jason going to the hospital, and then that movie is like, here's the. I don't. Hmm, now I'm kind of blowing a blank, but. I do know Roderick. We're we're going from another camp to a a, a house and a barn <laughs> in the next movie. <laughs> so again, how big is this land, and how much is this land worth with all this stuff on it? Yeah. With that being said, we're gonna end here for the night. We're gonna end the episode here um, with the recommends. Uh, Roderick Hunter, do you recommend Friday the Thirteenth Part Two? Roderick, give it a sure. <laughs> that's a first <laughs> alright uh Hunter yeah definitely alright and that's a, that's a yeah for me too I, I definitely recommend it's I think it's a stronger movie than the first one it's way more entertaining I like the kills but yeah it's it's. we'll see how part 3 or part 3D will go uh cause it was in 3D <laughs> get it <laughs> uh ooh. all right well thank you guys for joining me on another episode here again we're at the beginning of season five so we're still kind of catch our bearings here but i think this has been fun uh roger great to have you back hunter great to have you on the show can't wait to keep going um yeah uh thank you all for listening join us next time when we will when we will talk about friday the 13th part three or part 3d and um, stay tuned for what we got coming up. Our next subscription episode won't be for another month, but we will be tackling Freddy, uh, Freddy's Revenge, Nightmare 2, as coming up next. And then um, we got a lot coming up. We are, I mentioned a few movies that we are coming up here. We will get to Alien later this year. Um, Chopping Mall. Um, definitely as soon we will get to uh, Halloween 2 uh, very soon, as well as Psycho 2. So I'm excited. With that being said, we will catch you again on the murder board.